so I have ice in my room now, which is fantastic. Say what now? Why do you need ice in your room? Because because there's nowhere to get ice in the high school, except I guess if you know the gym people, they have an ice maker yeah, for the their teaching why room. Why but- do you need ice? Like like on call? Like wait, are you making yourself beverages? Well, ice is delicious. I learned that from Nick. <laughs> yeah, I'm an ice guy. I get it. No, I just I don't eat the ice. I like it in. I like a. So I like it in a delicious bottle, right? Like a it, yeah, ice you and like water ice and water. A, yeah, ice is gross. That's one opinion. That that sounds like someone from the Western Caribbean. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about as someone who has read all the testing that they've done on ice makers and ice machines in general, and how like dirty and well, disgusting they tend to be. <laughs> that's why I have my own because I'm clearly yeah. a clean. yeah i don't really understand the design either like here's a machine that makes ice pointlessly forever yeah yeah like because it's not a little refrigerator like it's like a little cooler with some freezing points that spit out ice cubes but they don't keep it cold so the ice then after it's made drips down back into the water that it uses to make more ice oh so it's like a forever machine. It's, yeah, it's a perpetual machine. Perpetual. But what it really, it's not perpetual. What it really is, is it's a filth condensing machine. Exactly! <laughs> right? This episode of It Will Probably Be Okay was recorded on October 13th, 2020. Welcome it will probably be okay. This week, we dive deep into a world we all yearn for, our world post-pandemic. Today, we're going to look into our crystal balls. We are going to read the tea leaves, and we are going to tell you what to expect. Or more likely, we'll make some horrific guesses that we can return to at some point, and we can joke about just how wrong we were. I'm Nick, and I'll be your guide for this journey into the unknown. And I'm the Kenji, and I think we're going to be horribly right. My name is Gabe Wollenberg, and I deny having crystal balls. <laughs> As always, first, let's start with some mini topics. Friends, what's on your mind this week? I'll go. So this week, I was really, really nostalgic. I went to Queens College in Barbados. Queens College is a secondary school. Secondary school goes from... 11, 12 to 16-ish, and then there's six forms, so 17, 18. So I spent a very long part of my life mm-hmm. at Queen's College, and they had their QC week, and they were asking for people to film themselves, welcoming new students for the school year. And I thought, oh, this is something I could do because I'm not very active, but I was like, oh, I can do this shit. They asked for you to like, have on QC colors, which is red, well, mostly blue and white and then like a smidge of red or like have your tie or something. So I pulled up my tie and if you watched my Instagram story, you would have seen that I discovered, and I think every five years when I pull out the tie, I discover this, that like I had a cricket tie pin and I had such a great time trying to imagine which fella I would have stolen the tie pin from because it was definitely not my tie pin because I don't play cricket and it was a cricket tie pin. And I, I can't I, I can't remember him. And so that is even more delightful to me. 
Because I, I kid you not, I probably just took it. You stole it from a guy who you don't even know who he is. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's been wondering for years where's his favorite type. In <laughs> just gone. And that makes me happy. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he isn't you, so <laughs> you should have it. <laughs> The ultimate cognitive bias is that <laughs> I deserve your things. You don't need them. I will appreciate them I more. Mean, I'm sure I did it in like a flirty kind of way. Like, oh, you know, I have your shirt kind of thing. And then it just <laughs> turned out that I had his shirt for like the next 10 years. Let me tell you what the male side of that looks like. I don't know. She just took my stuff and like, <laughs> I'm hoping one day. Like, yeah. we'll have sex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt it! <sighs> That's the man side of it. Like, I don't know, maybe this will work out in my favor at some point. At least I hope so. Yeah, and honestly, growing up here in, in Watertucky, I was just like, I'm just hoping that maybe she can maybe give me a hug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't, I don't need my skateboard back. I just want a hug. <laughs> Yeah, so that's my my mini topic. I want to talk about Twitch. Just briefly, because I think I could do a whole show on Twitch. <laughs> um, Twitch, for those of you who don't know, is the Amazon-owned video game streaming content service. It was at one point almost exclusively video games. They've branched out, and other people use it for doing other live streaming type events. But at the end of the day... What it really is, is just people playing video games and giving their sarcastic opinions about stuff they don't really know about, while other arrogant douchebags give them fake money. Like, that seems to be how <laughs> it works to me. But, like, I, I get it. Like, I get the allure of watching people play video games, right? My brother and my sister and I, you know, like, lobbying to get a Nintendo Entertainment System in the house and watching somebody play mm -hmm. Super Mario Brothers is as engaging as playing it yourself, right? Because, like, you had the share, so you learned to watch it. And I love to watch a speed run. Like, I can watch a speed run today. Like, if you put on one of those Ocarina of Time in 12 minutes or whatever videos, like, those are really fantastic and interesting to watch. But I don't actually want to talk about Twitch at all. What I actually want to talk about is I have discovered a new podcast that I love. And it is Daniel K's Let's Plays. And it is audio only video game streams oh my gosh so daniel k right now has just started a playthrough of pokemon silver on the original game boy advance and so he sits there with the game boy color on front of his microphone and you hear its little speaker and he plays pokemon and he describes the action as oh if gosh. you were listening to him playing Pokemon on the radio. Oh, wow. That's so weird. And you'd think it would be a nightmare. But he is so affable and so funny and just it is an absolute delight to listen to. No one will like it. You won't like it. Nick, you're not going to like it. I, no, I don't. Kenji, so. you're not going to like it. Nobody should like it. 
but like it just works. It's but you so like good. it. I love it. You know, ordinarily I would have thought eh, that sounds so freaking boring, but given how much. Well, no, this is visual too, but I once watched a guy, Nari, like commentate on marbles running down two different tracks. Oh, yes. And I was quite enthralled with it. So <laughs> I've, I've seen that. <laughs> and it was, it was like, how am I like, I really want to see whether or not yeah. Silver Marble takes the cake. So, you know, I, I can imagine that could be quite enjoyable. The audio version of Twitch is going to be huge. <laughs> Just a theory. Just a theory. All right. Well, speaking about looking into the future, let's get started on our main topic. Right now, it seems hard to believe, but someday this pandemic will end. I started thinking about this topic last week when I heard Wednesday's episode of The Daily, where Donald G. McNeil, science and health reporter for the New York Times, was discussing the end of the pandemic. Last week's episode provided a sharp contrast to an episode he was on earlier in the pandemic, where he shared the frightening fact that the fastest vaccine ever developed took four years. Last week, McNeil Jr. was far more positive about the prospects that the end of the pandemic proper would likely begin in the first half of next year. This got me thinking even more. What does the post-pandemic world look like? So today we are going to take a look at the four aspects of society, and we're going to prognosticate how things might change in these areas after the pandemic is over, whenever that may be. But before we jump in, we must acknowledge that health experts say that we are in for a very dark winter. Here in Wisconsin, we are currently the national epicenter of COVID-19. We are seeing record case numbers in almost, on an almost daily basis, and we'll soon see the opening of a large field hospital on our state fairgrounds. That's happening tomorrow. Editor's note, the field hospital at Wisconsin State Fair Park opened on October 14, 2020. While today we think about the world post-pandemic, we're not there yet. Wash your hands, keep safe distance, and avoid unnecessary outings. COVID-19 has taught me one thing above all else, is that there are many different approaches in a pandemic. And these varying approaches have a large impact on interpersonal relationships. So the first topic I want to talk to you about today is how do you see interpersonal relationships changing in a post-COVID world? Hmm. I'm going to go with my more provocative statement. I have noticed. Apparently, I am comfortable catching COVID because I'll chant seeing my friend, let's call her E. But not so much to go see my in-laws, who are generally delightful, but clearly lean conservative, don't believe in COVID restrictions, and who support Trump. And I think my feelings are best externalized as, like, I am not dying for you. So when it comes to interpersonal relationships, I feel like post-COVID, like, people are going to have a much clearer delineation of, like, who I'm going to go to war for and who's kind of just like, you know, they're there, they're cool, but if I don't see you, it's going to be quite fine. Remember our episode about uh, Mm -hmm. the morality of politics and I really struggle with the same issue when it comes to people who aren't willing to just err on the side of not killing people. I know that everybody has some reason that they think they're right and everybody else is stupid, right? Like that's, that is the ultimate (laughs) cognitive bias. 
as you know, you well know, Nick, there's a guy here in Watertown who every time he posts, I respond by thanking him for his service and telling him that he's brave. And I do that completely sarcastically because he's just like this anti-masker with this weird nonsense science that he wants to complain about fear mongering. And like, all I can do is say to him, thank you for your service. And he, he still hasn't figured it out. I'm not doing it to make fun of him. I just like, I feel like that guy is saying that because he wants to be right about something. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be his friend and I'm sure as hell not going to die for him. (laughs) You know, and I deal with that at work too, because there are people at work who are clearly not on the COVID is real train. Sure. And, and that is frustrating because, you know, they just want to walk right into my tent. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing, and I've actually thought this for a while, um, thinking about the end of the pandemic is just like kind of echoing what Nikenji said. I I think that the decisions that we make during this time where we're all having like a really tough time and everybody's just trying to get along. I, I do think that those decisions, although we're, you know, many people probably aren't thinking of it. Those decisions have a long-term ramifications for how people view you and how your relationship with them is going to proceed in the future. And, and I mean, I can just say for myself, there are a lot of people who my opinions have changed on. I think once you're an anti-masker, you're always an anti-masker, even once the pandemic's over. You you know, you just don't get to go back into my good graces just because we're not in the midst of a pandemic anymore. This is one of the few times we, you know, we've ever really been tested in our lives. And and I just, I see a lot of people failing the test and, and I'm not going to forget mm-hmm. that. Yeah. There used to be a very long list of people who would be allowed into the compound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And that list is smaller and smaller every time somebody puts their foot down and says, can't we just let the kids go back? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, okay, you can welcome that opinion, but you are not going to be allowed into the compound now. <laughs> <laughs> and and I feel like I feel like that sucks, but I think we all kind of agree on that. I think the the really the the biggest unknown about interpersonal relationships is that there is not a day that has gone by since 1999 where I haven't appreciated the fact that I am not in the dating pool, that I am a happily married man and I do not have to look at anybody and have to feel like maybe this is the person I want to spend my life with. It's like, (laughs) I got that done. We got that over. I can't imagine doing that now where you can't go to bars. Yeah. You can't, you can't volunteer together, you know, like you can't, work hand in hand with a stranger and get to know them. I watched some of the ways that the online dating apps claim to be sort of trying to adjust Mm -hmm. for that. And I just like shudder and am grateful that that is a world I don't have to worry about even more so than back before the pandemic. You know, that's a really good point. I feel for people in that situation because it's almost like your, your choice is to either just dramatically put your life on hold or go and do what you want to do and take the chance. And, you know, yeah, that's not really a great, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I agree. Let's make a socially distanced, what, croquet match date. <laughs> like like you right, got to start right. thinking outside the box on that. And woof, you know, dating is hard enough to think about. Absolutely. 
The other, the other thing that I wanted to talk a little bit about as it relates to this topic is maybe I've mentioned this before. I'm part of a really close group of friends that's essentially five couples, four of whom live in my neighborhood. The other thing that unifies us is we all have young kids right now. So once everybody started having kids, it, it kind of almost broke off to where we'd have guy time to get together. Like the guys would maybe watch a football game and the girls would do something, but it was very seldom that we were all able to get together uh, just because finding babysitters for eight kids is you know, not a super easy thing to do. And since the pandemic started, we started doing a phone call every Friday through Google chat. For me, seeing the girls that are part of our friendship group, I've gotten to see them more since this pandemic began and talk to them and stuff like that than I had before. And there's part of me that wonders if some of our reticence of doing kind of these virtual things will go away after this because now we did it and we kind of know it works. Obviously, face-to-face would be preferable, but with with kids and with responsibilities and all those things, for at least some segment of society, this is going to open up some new opportunities to spend time together virtually that maybe we didn't take on before. And I mean, even this podcast is a good example. I mean, I think maybe we talked about it a little bit pre-pandemic. I I don't totally remember, but you know, we're we're using a virtual medium to get together and connect and have fun and and all of that. Yeah, it was definitely the experience of, having only talked with teenagers and my family for two months that got me into a place where I was like, we got to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we set it up, you're like, hey, you guys want to try to do this once a month? And you're like, well, I'm not doing anything. Let's do it every week. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like, right. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, there's nothing happening. <laughs> for me, it just kind of comes down to, I now have the perfect reason to not go anywhere. <laughs> and you know what? I am so at peace with that. Like sometimes I think, shit, I would really go back to Barbados right now. But generally speaking, I'm quite comfortable not having anywhere to go. I don't have to have FOMO because a lot of times I would have anxiety, but like then I still couldn't go anyway because like I wanted to go, but then anxiety. And now I just, I don't have that issue. (laughs) (laughs) So there's at least a little peace of mind knowing it's not really a choice. Yeah, you ain't missing shit anyway. Like. Right, and, and maybe that'll and maybe that'll teach you after the pandemic to just you know if you don't feel like it, don't do it. Yeah. One thing that has been discussed endlessly during this pandemic is how this work from home experiment that we're all varying parts of will change companies and jobs going forward. So, what thoughts do you have on how work or school might change due to COVID? I hope that more companies will realize that working from home is perfectly fine and there will be more flexibility at the idea. But I feel like that will only hold out if at least half of the people who return are requesting flexibility or work from home privileges. Otherwise, things are just going to swing right back to where they were. It's not going to stick. Yeah, I think you're going to see the divide between the work from home tribe and the you may not work from home tribe get bigger and bigger experimentally it is it's absolutely a success but in the long term i can't imagine trying to do something like code medical records in the same room with three kids who are in various different elementary schools and 
you know, asking you to help them with their math. Like, I don't know that that is a sustainable work from home environment, but for people with the ability to delineate work life from home life, even when those things are blended, I, this is like the, the, the magic, you know, the, what do they call that thing? The, the magic flute, right? Like we're all kind of just dancing along, hoping that the rest of us will catch up to the dance and I'm mixing my metaphors because now I'm now I'm doing that one with the train, you know, the train song, the locomotion, and then oh god, I think I just I think I'm having a huge day. Come back. Come back. Okay. So yeah, but I do think like like I think the work from home thing is a dream realized and a realization that that was never the dream at the same time which I think is going to end result, not be a huge change. I think for school, we will never have a snow day again. (laughs) Why would you even bother having a snow day when you can just put up some kind of asynchronous school from home Mm-hmm. snow day plan that wow. you, because because we always kind of know like you know when you're probably going <laughs> to get a snow day tomorrow yep you could like tell all the kids to make sure they take their computers home because chances are good and you know so if the band then has to change their program because they can't practice that day that's no concession to yeah but math and reading can go on right and we'll still get our minutes and so we'll still get paid right and so we'll still have our meet our legal requirements for education without having to account for additional snow days so will that turn into a shorter school year i, I doubt it oh definitely not <laughs> we've seen our last snow day that's really interesting i i hadn't thought of that you hear about companies now who are who are thinking about Oh, maybe we could just always have people work from home and maybe we don't need to uh, rent all this space in these buildings anymore. I think that there's definitely a short-term gain for companies with regard to that. Ultimately, I see that as a long-term loss just because in a lot of cases now, the way society is where people aren't at jobs for a super long time, the the tethers that bind us to our workplace and and the feelings of loyalty are already now very tenuous and i start to think if i work from home all the time and and just the the name of the company on my paycheck changed i think that would have a real impact on on my motivation to succeed for that company not necessarily my motivation to do good for myself or to, you know, work hard and do good on a project. But I just, you know, having friends that like having people that, you know, at work, having a routine at work, having all those things are part of what keeps us at a job in some cases when, you know, we probably should have left that job a long time ago. Um, (laughs) But now when we're in, now when we're, now when you're in a situation where, you know, no matter who you're working for, your office isn't going to change. And, you know, you're not going to have that close of ties to the people that you work with because you'll be primarily working virtually. There's something to be said for these kind of flex schedules where, you know, there are touchdown desks. But, you know, I think just saying, well, you're not expected to come in at all anymore. I think it'll save companies money in the short term. But I think in the long term, it's going to lose the already diminishing loyalty that 
workers feel towards their workplaces right now? I feel there are very few companies that have the wherewithal to be able to say that. Oh, yeah. Um, like, just trying to think of, like, my company. I feel like I feel like the midpoint is flex. Like, being able to flex and not have somebody think, like, you're just slacking mm-hmm. off. Being able yeah. to work from home and no one's going to be questioning your output. I think my hope is that with the successes that companies are continuing to have through the pandemic, that after the pandemic, there's less of that, like, question mark yeah. on a person t- because a company can say they have flex time but if every time you get a site every time you try to use it then truly mm-hmm. you don't have flex time yes so i think you both need to practice thinking a little harder like a capitalist <laughs> <laughs> the the way the, what you get as a company out of work from home is chains into the home yeah. of the people you yeah. work for you. Imagine what how much more reluctant Nick are you going to be to change a company if that means you have to get a whole new computer yeah. and internet provider and they have to come get their DSL box out of your house and you have to, you know, Who's let internet you know internet from their company? Well, that's only I mean, shouldn't you? Where they do that at? Well, no, because I watch a lot of right? TV, and I feel like I right, but like, use more TV. <laughs> well, and and I think that that will though be what companies can be like. Listen, yeah. we're uncomfortable with you using your own internet yeah. to share our secrets, so we're going to put in our own DSL line at your house. That's what VPN is for. Well, let me. Well, nobody does that. We do. Let me tell I you. Do. But like <laughs> humans, regular people, you know, right, regular yeah. people don't use that. Nick, you got a VPN? Not personally, no. See, rest no, my case. Your, right, your workplace so. <laughs> doesn't have a VPN? Wow. Both of my last two did. I think he said not personally. I'm sure work does. Yeah, work. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I don't know that the high school does, but I don't, I, I wouldn't need to use it anyway because everything we do is through Google. So it's really, it's, it's pretty insecure to begin with. <laughs> Oh my God, I'm going to have to cut that. However, the the reason I bring it up is I worked for Apple for those number of years and I can't, I even to this day, can't talk about it publicly because of the documents you sign. But part of the requirement of the employment was they put a computer in my house. They paid for, I think, a third of my internet subscription monthly. That computer was theirs i did not and could not have a personal account on it and if i turned it on outside of working hours they would know immediately but at the same time while i was working for apple at what really was an entry-level job i loved it i had a team of 12 people that I was online with day in and day out, and their workplace was integrated into the Apple ecosystem. So we were all on iMessages and we were all, you know, using, I think, WebEx or something like for our trainings. I worked with 15 people from Hawaii to North Carolina. Wow. And I was present company accepted. I was never closer to any group of people I've ever worked with. My next job after that was at Epic, the EMR in Verona. And 
an epic I worked with 6,000 people on a single campus and had my own office and I was never more lonely. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like it was just me and a computer and, and they don't and didn't. And even during the pandy had some drama around whether or not you could work from home. If you really put your, how can I make money off of my employees hat on? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of room for companies to get real predatory around work from home. Well, and also, I mean, like you said, it really starts to get into this weird territory where it's like, it's your house, but like, there's a lot of stuff that's not yours in it. And yeah, I don't that know. That makes me think of this, the, 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 the stories I've heard about teachers reporting students who have BB guns. And how they saw, in one case, they saw a child move a, gun, a BB gun from one point. Like, they weren't holding it like a gun. They moved it from one point to another point. Like, just shifting it out the way. Like, that in the, the Zoom screen? In the Zoom screen. Yep. And that mm. was a report. And wow. when I think predatory, I don't know that this is predatory, but I think of it as similarly insane. Like these are the concepts that we would not consider and we would think surely we don't have to make a rule about X, right? But yeah, <laughs> human beings will find a way and yes, yes. they, you know. So now you have to you have students who have to do Zoom calls and in, in, in environments that may or may not have sh- shit going on. And is that student now inviting a CPS or police phone call or presence into yeah. their home? Yeah, I mean, I I kick kids who call in while driving out of my meetings. They can't come to class while driving. I'm sorry. You just can't. Like, I can't let that happen. And there's no policy on it. I just don't think it's a good idea. (laughs) That being said, shame on any teacher who hard and fast requires cameras on. This is not going to be a popular opinion, and and I might need to edit this based on who I talk to, but like the invasion of a student's privacy should not be done lightly. I don't want to see so much of my students' bedrooms. Mm. I am tired of seeing my students in bed. Yeah. It's it's not okay. And it's not the kid's fault. Right. Like they don't have another room to go to because there's two other people and their parents working from home in the dining room and their brother and sister are fighting over the laptop. Right. So that they can do their work. I get that we're putting these kids in an impossible situation, but that just means we have to be all the more vigilant about respecting totally their privacy. And unfortunately the law is such that if I see a kid with a gun behaving in an unsafe way, my licensure requires that I report that. Ha, huh. yeah, that's regardless. I am a mandatory reporter. Right, yeah. So I don't think forced virtual school will become a thing, but I do think the pandemic has shown a whole new generation of educators and educate ease how to think outside the box about online education. Mm-hmm. You know, the first couple of months of online education were kind of like watching TV. 
because that's how that's how boomers identify all screens <laughs> yes. and all internet, right? Like, right. Well, it's just like it's like it's like going to be like class, except you're watching cl- a TV class, class TV, and and as we've gotten better at it, you know, we've adopted a lot of different engagement st- engagement strategies Mark. that are actually useful and fun, right? Mm-hmm. I I loathe Google Jamboard, but at least it gets kids together and drawing around a whiteboard. And the three of us know better than anybody that getting all excited and doing stuff around a whiteboard is your most productive moment. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the next item I wanted to talk about is culture and pop culture. I'll just say for myself, I think that there's there's a lot of young people who are creators right now who are going to become famous pop culture creators in the future. And it's impossible for me to think that 10 or 15 years from now, we're not going to see a lot of television shows, music, movies made about this time. Because as difficult as it is for me or for any of us, I think people who are in that formative time of their life, it's almost even a bigger deal to them. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't even say 10, 15 years. As soon as quarantine pops, like, they will, there will be a movie about quarantine. Yeah. Like- yeah. <laughs> the, the quarantine TikToks alone are a genre, yeah. you know, that are pretty good, actually. I think, though, that as I get, there's this inkling, and I think we'll see how what happens with the election, but I feel like there's this inkling. You know, when we... When we watch films that are disaster films, and if anybody knows me, they understand how much I like a really good disaster movie, mm-hmm. right? Yep. America always finds a way. <laughs> and I feel like COVID has taught this generation that America, in fact, will not find a way. Mm-hmm. They will yeah. see the way and decide we are going the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's going to be reflected in, in any like books, movies, TV, moving forward. Definitely. You watch movies like Contagion, where yeah. there's science, there is following science, and there is, you know, science. And then eventually things work out. And then you realize you're living in this movie, Contagion, real life, where there is science, but no one follows the science. And in fact, they like try to shout down the science and shit just gets worse. And you never actually get to the end of the movie where things are better and like mm-hmm. the, the sun rises and like the last infected person is cured. We're never getting that. Yeah, every time I teach, every time I teach the crucible, it just gets weirder and weirder out there. <laughs> Seriously, but I, I, I'll throw in this. This is the perfect time for me to say, Mackenzie, I have turned to watching Star Trek: The Next Generation. I, I have been watching Star Trek at night as my comfort viewing because, like, this utopian ship in a bottle melodrama is just a nice, friendly, comfortable shoe to put on about a future that's better than this one mm-hmm. you know and it's weird but i i found myself turning back to star tracks when i hear what you're saying about people like the people denying science i don't know if, if either of you ever heard the insane clown posse song miracles <laughs> i don't think so maybe i have there's there's this song and it's it's kind of like a meme like it's really weird it's 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 insane clown posse like like kind of like t- 
talking about all these things in the world, like in like this mystical sense that they can't believe all these things exist. And like, in fact, one of the lines is fucking magnets. How do they work? Pure motherfucking magic, right? This shit will blow your motherfucking mind. Music is a lot like love. It's all a feeling and it fills the room from the floor to the ceiling. I see miracles all around me. Stop and look around, it's all astounding. Water, fire, air and dirt. Fucking magnets, how do they work? And I don't want to talk to a scientist. Y'all motherfuckers lying and getting me pissed. Solar eclipse and vicious weather. 15,000 juggalos together. I remember thinking, you know, 10 years ago when I first heard that song, like, that's really funny and campy. Like, I'm sure they don't really think that. Everybody knows that scientists are telling the truth. And, like, actually, like, I was totally wrong. Like, they probably thought that. And also, like, 40% of society also thinks that. <laughs> uh, there used to be a Dennis Miller commercial on TV where I forget what he was selling, but he would, like, look back at the camera and go, how does popcorn pop? Who cares? <laughs> and like, that would always confuse me because I would be like, steam. Yeah. <laughs> we know the answer to this question. Like, steam is how popcorn pop. <laughs> the willful, boastful ignorance is just yeah. unbelievable. That's cheap. How is it possible? How does popcorn pop? Who cares? All right. So, what I want to talk about next is germs. I, for one, always knew germs are gross, but I never really spent all that much time thinking about it. How do you think, as a society, we're going to view germs and hygiene differently after the pandemic? Hmm. Anecdotally, Jennifer has never had a better asthma season. The The attention to hygiene paid mm-hmm. by not only she and I, but society at large, and the fact that she wears a mask every day. I think has really proven that germs are real and are preventable, right? That divide is just going to continue to deepen. People who believe germs are real and people who believe that germs are inevitable are going to just keep getting wider and wider apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really hope that there's a world after the pandy where if you're sick, either you don't come into work or you walk around with the mask on mm-hmm. and like, it's just normal now. No one's going to give mm-hmm. you a side eye. Like, it'll just be normal. There's a lot of times where I came into work, probably when, when I was a little under the weather and, and you know, I, I don't think I'll do that anymore. I don't know if I have numbers on this, but again, anecdotally, I can tell you in my experience, I haven't taken a sick day in a 200 some odd days. Okay. Like I am not going to take the day off and take a day out of my pool of sick days when I can teach remotely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I know that I haven't taken a sick day and I know that others haven't. So I'm willing to bet it's measurable the impact it's had on, on sick day payouts. I can foresee a scenario where if I'm in the office and I see somebody that looks like shit or they're like coughing or like they're just not in, in like good health, like I'm going to think, I, I'm going to think much worse of them in my head going forward than I had ever thought about in the past. Like you don't need to be here. Your first year as an educator is, is your most pestilence ridden <laughs> year. 
because you are exposed to a new community of germs. And my first year was as a para in a local school district. And I remember I was working with a boy who had a terrible cold. And I remember getting frustrated with his typing speed. And so I said, you know what, I'm just going to type it for you. And I pushed the keyboard over and we just started writing because I wanted him to think, not worry about typing. Mm -hmm. And then realized that I had just condemned myself to having this boy's cold. Yeah. And as a result, like I learned that I remote into people's documents. I never touch yeah. their keyboards. Yeah. <laughs> now, that lesson is a lesson I carry with me to this day. I think every one of us is going to have a little version of that story that's directly related to the pandemic. I think we'll all just kind of view illness and sickness a little bit differently going forward. I don't think before this pandemic ever started, I couldn't recall maybe any time that I've ever seen anyone wearing a mask in public. Me either. I wonder if it'll be like that going forward, where if you want to be somewhere and you're sick, the expectation is you're going to be wearing a mask. I, I was going to say, too, I, I think that the disdain that I feel right now when I see rat lickers and dick noses is going to be transferred <laughs> to people who are um, sick in public and coughing and sneezing when they're within six feet of me. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to like, I don't think. I'll ever not hear a sneeze and be like, oh, get the hell away from me. So it's hard enough to go to Golden Corral now, like before the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. I don't imagine I will ever return no, to yeah. a buffet style dining. <laughs> South Park had another good name for dick noses. And they called them chin diapers. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. So our final area is just any other changes you might you might foresee in the future. My my big one, and this is not original to me. My friend Adam was the one who said this, and I thought, oh, that makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. I think my generation, the millennials, are just going to be so so cynical so much sooner than we ever should have been because of this. (laughs) I mean, this combined with Trump, I think we. We have truly, in the last eight months, we have seen it all. We've and we've lived every moment of it, and it's been shitty. and And I just, I don't know how we're ever going to find a way to ever believe in anything ever again. But, but on the opposite side of that, I think you know, you know, to to try to not go black mirror all the way on this, I think that there will be when I am standing in a crowd at a live concert again, when I'm sitting around a bonfire with all of my friends again, um, and, and not worried about this, I don't think my appreciation for that will wear off very quickly. I think because this has gone on so long already and because it's going to, you know, still go on for a while longer. I think that in a post pandemic world, we are going to really relish those opportunities to get together with people and spend time. Yeah. I, I see that as well. Like having someone come over to your house is not an an anxiety inducing event, right? Right. But a welcome event. I think that, I think that, and this is only tangentially related to the pandemic, but part of the CARES Act authorized a U.S. digital dollar. So I think you can fairly say that the United States conversion over to cryptocurrency is a result of the pandemic, whether that's appropriate or not. Like, I do think eventually, you know, 10, 15 years out, we're going to be moving to a crypto-based standard. 
I don't see the plexiglass at grocery stores and service kiosks going away. Mm-hmm. We've invested in that, and now we've even got designs around it. Yeah. They're not just putting up slapdash ones anymore. They have like nice looking ones, and I think that's not going anywhere. What about handshakes? Uh, I hmm. hope handshakes and hugs just go away. Just, just go away. <laughs> just in general. <laughs> I disagree. I don't love a handshake, but yeah, I'm not done with the handshake. But I do. I do see their their value, and I do also, though, I do I do the hug. I'm a hugger. I'll admit it. I have always hated hugs. I didn't even like hugging my mother. There's, like, therapeutic reasons for that. But, like, I find hugging to be very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I can probably count on one hand the number of times that I have hugged one of my best friends in the whole world. And we've known each other since we were 18. And I, I just, I'd be fine if we just dropped that tradition altogether. I am... <laughs> Pretty sure you hugged me on your last day of work, and it was palpably uncomfortable for both of us. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I feel like I feel like they, they have use, they have purpose. I understand the way they have value, and they've like they've transcended culture. But if after the pandemic we adopted a whole new way of saying hi, like maybe just waving while saying hello. I'd be fine with that. And if we reserved, hug, like, I would like the idea of hugging strangers to go away, like, yeah. permanently. Mm-hmm. I'd be fine if that, that dropped. Like, if I just oh, met you, please don't expect Whoa. me to, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, what did, so what did we learn today? Well, we learned that once you're an anti-masker, you're always an anti-masker, even once the pandemic's over. We've learned that work from home was a dream realized, but now we realize it was never the dream. We learned to stay home when you're sick, for God's sakes. <laughs> and most importantly, we learned don't hug Nikenji. wise. <laughs> <laughs> so, there will be a day in the future, and that day will not be in the immediate future, but there will be a day in the future when the pandemic is over and we will be able to turn the page on this period of time and march into the future with a lot of lessons and a lot of things that we learned along the way and if we try our best to internalize those things and, and make the best of the, the, the smart ideas we've had and the things that we thought of then it will probably be okay yay